Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, Owen Watterson joins me to talk about if we still have the good overall feelings around the Charlotte Hornets and the latest fourth quarter collapse. It's coming up today on Lockdown Hornets. You are Locked On Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, because we live. It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Lockdown... It's Lockdown Hornets. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. You can subscribe to the pod- podcast anywhere. You get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, you get the picture. You can follow me on Twitter at Walker Mail. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. Happy to welcome Owen Watterson to the show. I've been on his shows a couple of times. Happy to join him now, returning the favor, doing a little home-and-home home thing here. Owen joining me, and now he's working for somebody different. How about this? Owen, kind of breaking some news, right? Are you breaking some news with your new gig now? Yeah, I guess so, because I haven't really put anything on Twitter. I've been kind of inactive on on Twitter recently, I, I guess. But, yeah, you want me to plug it? Uh, no, that's – well, yeah, that's fine. Um, I'll, I'll Actually, I'll set you up just because it's always nice to be introduced. And so that's what I'm going to do for you, Owen. You're welcome about that. ESPN Upstate employee now, producer for ESPN Upstate, and also 106.6 WORD. That is the new Owen Watterson, baby. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, last night, you know, the past two Hornets games, staying up till not midnight <laughs> last night. But, you know, we're, we're staying up late on this West Coast road trip for – not so much in return, it seems like. I'm excited to get into it, but a little disappointed compared to how they started the season, for sure. Well, we're gonna get we're gonna get to all of that. You know, the the good feelings surrounding this team, they are absolutely going away, at least to some degree. We can still feel good about Lamelo, even a Miles Bridges, but not so much the record anymore as they fall below 500 for the first time this season after suffering this latest loss to the LA Clippers 120 to 106 and man that score is not indicative of how the game was mostly played until of course you get to the fourth quarter they also didn't perform very well in the second quarter but the Charlotte Hornets they suffer a 22 to nothing run from the LA Clippers where all they were doing was hitting threes Terrence Mann gets the crowd going with a nice slam down the middle of the lane Hornets couldn't buy a basket there, as you could guess from the goose egg they put up with that 22 to nothing run. And here's a fourth quarter collapse. Oh, and like we, we've seen the Hornets get off to awful starts where they win the first first quarter just a, a couple of games ago. They win this one 39 to 31. But then we've seen the second half collapses from this team. You know, it, it seems like you're not putting a ton of four quarters together in a row in order to just have a flat out great performance for one night. They've been having these been having these collapses where they just can't be consistent enough. And that's what led to the loss last night. Five and six now. Owen, like what are your overall feelings surrounding this team in the moment, certainly compared to where they were after the three and oh start and the five and two star five and three, I think. Well, at this point, the collapses really feel like nothing new, um, if I can say that. Even when they were winning to start the season, they were coming back from a ton of deficits they Mm -hmm. were burying themselves into to start games and things like that. And, um, you know, Walker, I I texted you before the game even started, like, I just don't have a great feeling about this. And I didn't. And the Hornets, Mm -hmm. you know, went to prove me wrong for a majority of the game. But 
that fourth quarter, man, Eric Collins was talking about it on the broadcast, how it almost felt historic, how they how they ended that game. And um, Luke Kennard, I know you were talking about Terrence Mann, but Luke Kennard must have felt some type of way that James Rego was matchup hunting him on defense earlier in the fourth quarter, looking for switches to get Kennard on on LaMelo, on Miles and things like that. And, and he took it personally and really buried them, I think, hit that last three to, to end it at 22-0 to zero run, which is still crazy to say, mm-hmm. but – Um, my morale hasn't changed a ton because I think even Nada has said this on Twitter. I expected more of the same of this. I think it was, it was just, they started faster than most of us would have thought. Um, now they're just kind of getting back to maybe more middle of the road where, where we expected them to be, which you can think however you want about that. But, um, this team's still growing at the end of the day. Miles Bridges has been one of the biggest bright spots on the team. Some have argued the arguably the franchise player compared to LaMelo, which I think is still a little far-fetched, you know, whatever you think. But, um, yeah, it, it's going to be a rough stretch. They, you know, playing the Lakers again in Staples tonight. I'm interested to see if they have some fight in them um, after, you know, that 22-0 run to end off the game last night. Um, but my morale's down, definitely. I think everybody's is. It's, it's going to be tough to pick themselves back up. I think the Grizzlies, and once they have, I think they have a four-game homestand coming up here soon too, and uh, they got to get back right at home. If they can beat the Grizzlies, even maybe get the Lakers tonight, that's going to be huge. Well, look, you have four straight losses. They've lost five of their last six games after the four and one start that they got off to the season, and then you go to it was right five and two. The disappointing losses. It was against Cleveland, and it was against Sacramento. I think those two really is what took the morale and brought it straight down. Because even with Cleveland being a tough matchup, and even with it being the first disappointing loss of the year, okay, can they bounce back? They put up a decent first half against Golden State, and then again, it's the Warriors coming up big as the game goes on, even without Steph Curry being a big contributor. A little disappointing, but nobody expected them truly to beat Golden State on the road. Okay, so fine. And then this game this weekend happens Friday night against Sacramento, where they lose 140-110. to 110. And I think that's the one that really set the table for all of the bad feelings to start coming aboard. Because you look at them, they had some kind of fight in the second where they're able to bring it to like you know maybe 12, I think is what it got to as the fourth quarter hit, but then again, they would lose all of it. A couple of threes put the Kings right back up close to 20, and then eventually you would lose by 30. That That's the bad thing here, Owen, because you look at the, the margin of victory for the Sacramento Kings, and then the Clippers, you start to see it be 14. When You talk about like six minutes left to go in this game. You said you didn't feel great coming in. Hornets started to you know give you some reason for confidence and positivity, and then I mean, it was like 104. They had a nine-point lead, and then six minutes hits. Clippers like start the 22 to nothing run, and then boom, it's a double-digit loss. Those are the things that can't happen, and that's why it's so disappointing to see where they are now after such a good start. Yeah, I agree. That Kings one, I, I didn't even mention it, but that one is a, a sore thumb, and I think it could very well be one we look at maybe closer to the end of the season even and be like, man, that that's – Mm-hmm. That that one could come back and bite us in the butt. Same with Cleveland, but at the same time, playing Cleveland uh, two times like we did so close together, I mean, with NBA teams, regardless of a talent gap, especially the matchup difference that they had playing those three seven-footers and, and Markin and Mobley and, and Jared Allen, um, 
the fact that they had us twice so quickly, I think they were to adjust and, and react to some of the things the Hornets were doing early in the season and, and just get a close win at the end of the day. I don't – what they did in the second time they played us and won by those couple points is what I expected them to do uh, to start the season and when we won the first time. So the, the Kings game – um, it is rough for sure. And, you know, I, I want to talk about the defense a little bit because while they're, they're playing really good in transition, um, the half court just just hasn't been good enough. They rank bottom half the league in almost every half court stat on cleaning the glass. Um, I'm not sure, so much sure if that's a JB thing as it is a personnel thing. Being able to protect the rim is a problem and it has been for years now, as we all know. But um they, they got to get a win either tonight or against Memphis for sure, because the, the quicker this is a snowball effect and it, it not not long before it starts affecting team morale, I think. Yeah, I mean, and, and plus now you're asking this team to win the second night of a back to back on the road, the middle of a road trip in L.A. against the Lakers. It's going to be tough, even with the Lakers having their struggles for sure. It's not like the Charlotte Hornets are thriving right now. We'll take a quick break. I do want to talk about Terry Rozier, his struggles to start the season, how much he's affected the Charlotte Hornets win and loss record. And you mentioned the defense. I want to discuss the absence of P.J. Washington and how important he is to this team. But first, I want to mention prize picks. All right, NBA fans, have you heard about prize picks? It's a daily fantasy it's daily fantasy made easy. I love this. I know you will too. Prize Picks has the best NBA daily fantasy site prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players, only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of your users that deposit and use the promo code will receive 100% instant deposit matchup to $100. Just use promo code NBA and you can get that deposit match. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, too. It's easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast with draws. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. We talk more Hornet struggles coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Charlotte, How strong is an ox? Are we I think we're overrating the ox. Uh, we are I, not overrating I, the I ox. I need to see I need to see some medicals on the ox yeah why don't you do the read you put your lab glasses on you take a look at it you can wonder if there's anything on the internet it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast how familiar does this sound you've got one device that lets you catch the game live another that lets you stream your favorite shows you're watching sports highlights on your phone and then you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff you don't need to do that anymore. I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is that there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter, get rid of the confusion, and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at Direct TV com that's directtv.com compatible devices required the content does vary by the package let's go to the lack of defense you mentioned owen we've talked about the center position it's been a problem for a while james borrego mentioned that last year in a post-game press conference and i've always kind of gone back to that because one we've always known what borrego has thought of his center rotation just by who he's playing how he's playing them 
going to biz over Cody Zeller, not playing Cody enough, uh, going to PJ a lot at the center, kind of out of necessity. It's still a really good lineup. I mean, you see the net rating when he's out there. It's been very good, but you kind of wonder, okay, was that bred from him understanding that could be the case or was it bred because he doesn't trust the other centers on the roster? And then they get Mason Plumley, who we all think is going to be a backup at that point. They get an extra pick, which is nice. Turns into JT Thor. Really like the selection. Want to see what he's got going forward in his NBA career. But Mason Plumley becomes the starting center. You know, after they get Mason, then they don't make any other move. And now PJ Washington is out, banged up, had the hyperextension of his arm, misses the second consecutive game. And the center deficiencies are on display as much as any time the last few years where James Brago still has not been a fan of that spot. What do you think of the lack of big guys on this roster, how James Brago has tried to address that and how much that is hurting them defensively? And Owen, do you have any type of fix? Is this just something we're going to have to continue to deal with as the season goes on? Well, quite honestly, if there was any kind of fix, especially that I could think of, James Rigo would have tried it by now. That's mm. that's for sure. I mean, the guy is trying everything he can. We've seen Miles Bridges at center right. lineups when P.J. Washington has been out. And, you know, P.J. catches a lot of flack for, for learning the center position and not always being great defensively from there. But he's improved as a rim protector. At the end of the day, he's just another body. They went eight deep last night against the Clippers. Ish Smith only played four minutes, I think it was. In those four minutes, he was pretty awful. I think he had two turnovers, had the one weird skip pass that got turned over. And, you know, maybe that's because they're on a back-to-back. But uh, that's not a great sign, only playing eight deep, 11 into the season. You know, where's where's Jalen McDaniels, this guy that we all talked about at the beginning of the year who we're talking about defense. This guy can guard one through four, in my opinion, um, unless we're talking about a very elite point guard. Um, we're using Nick Richards – for what Nick Richards brings offensively, because I'm trying to be careful of my wording here, because I, I like Nick. Um, I'll be honest. It's all right. I'm let it out, on... Owen. That's fine. <laughs> let it out. Vent all you want to. You know, I was higher on Vernon Carey like most people were. Um, I actually predicted him getting drafted to the Hornets in, in the second round. But Nick, I think, has benefited mostly just because of his size, and, and he can be a massive body inside the game. But the Hornets are playing a lot of transition defense right now. Um, and Nick Richards, just watching a couple times last night, he he looks lost sometimes. I mean, he, he's allowing Terry Rozier to get matched up on, on Zubots, and, you know, he's sitting above the free throw line looking for his man with his arms out like he doesn't, doesn't know what to do uh, sometimes. His switches, especially when he's, you know, playing some drop coverage on pick and roll is, is suspect. And, you know, that's a second-year center that didn't see any run last year, hardly in the G League either. I'm not trying to crap on the guy because that's what you have to expect from him. But it just it shows how deficient they are of a center. And I don't know how soon that's going to get fixed. I'm so sick of talking about Miles Turner, but it always keeps coming back into my mind. (laughs) Um, But there's 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 no fix on the roster right now. Kai Jones isn't ready. Mason Plumlee's a very plus on offense. Uh, I think a little bit more so than Cody Zeller. He's a really great passer. We saw the plum dog point guard situation last night with mm-hmm. his assist to Terry Rozier but come on on defense Mason Plumley is is just as bad and we saw that last night against let's be honest not a very elite center unit for for the Clippers you find fine centers right like Zubats is a guy that I think people really like um but right. but we know what he is you know like he he's he's somebody that's that's a good center and I think you know certainly the Hornets would like to have him you know even Hartenstein got in there for a, a put back jam because nobody was there to box him out and he got a free wide open yeah. put back 
Mason Plumlee was putting his body on Reggie, or I think Eric Bledsoe on that play and completely gotta, just gotta watch out for Eric footer. on the boards, man. You know, he's gonna hurt you. That's the guy. Um, and so I'm glad Mason was able to take care of him instead of some of the bigger guys. I do want to go look, we talk about center problems all the time. Okay, we get the picture. We kind of have to because the Hornets keep presenting it to us as a problem. But I do want to get to the backcourt. You mentioned Ish Smith. Speaking of the good feelings withering away, man, Ish Smith, when he comes into the game now, you've seen him play a lot less minutes. You you see the great start against the Pacers, against the Nets, against the Celtics. He goes for double figures. Now you haven't seen him play over 14 minutes in the four games they've played in November. Hasn't shot. He did go two of four in that game against Cleveland, the 113 to 110 loss, but has only taken three field goals against Golden State, three against Sacramento, none in the five minutes he played against the Clippers. The assists were great from him right early on. He was somebody that was facilitating at a high level, only one assist recorded in three of the four games that they've played in November. The defense only having the one steal can still bring something better than, I think, a couple of the other backcourt guys. But either way, you're seeing Ish Smith having not played more than 15 minutes in the last four games. And even Kelly Oubre, who has been featured in the backcourt out of necessity at times, 13 minutes against Golden State, not hitting shots, had an awful game against the Warriors. 14 minutes against Sacramento. And remember, this is a game where they're down a guy with P.J. Washington. And even Terry Rozier, who's not shooting well, Kelly Oubre still not getting a ton of minutes. Did get it back with 28 last night, 7 of 14 from the field. What have you made of the minutes distribution between Ish Smith and how he's played alongside even a Kelly Oubre here in the last few outings? Dare I say, Walker, that teams have figured Ish Smith out a little bit, even <laughs> even with how long he's been in the NBA. Um, it's still so early in the season, it's really hard for me to say that. But watching him in the games that he played well, it did seem like Ish was a bit one-dimensional at times. You know, he's he's not gonna gonna pull up from three. He's not an off-the-dribble guy. He's not even really a catch-and-shoot guy from three. Oh no. Most of the time, he likes to channel his inner Steve Nash and get under the basket and, you know, find guys on the perimeter when the defense crashes down. And that's fine. But it really makes your your offense from a point guard position standpoint really one dimensional. Um, and, and it makes it easier, especially they like to surround Ish with shooters. And if, you know, his man can sag off and really be an eyes on around um, on open shooters when Ish collapses the defense, ultimately, like he always does, it just kind of it kind of counties each other out almost and um this is a little bit how i felt about ish when they initially signed him i hate that it's come to this and i really hope it doesn't continue because he's fast he's a north carolina guy i love ish smith but this is why i wanted to pay Devontae graham i mean mm. do it, is it bad for is it bad of me walker to go there you, you tell me you know the answer. You know what I'm going to say. You know I wanted to pay Devontae. You know that. You know I wanted to keep Malik Monk on with us. I was just talking to Locked On Lakers yesterday about Malik Monk, and now they know. Now everybody that listens to that podcast knows my love for Malik. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, when we go to the backcourt, I, I wanted to give a ton of credit to Ish, and, and you had to. You know, the way that he was playing, right. if you wanted to argue the fact that Devontae at $14 million per wasn't worth it if you could get ish for non-guaranteed money in the second end with that option and very much for way less than Devonte, and he was giving you that kind of production oh yeah like i could totally get on board for that and, exactly. he, and he was awesome facilitating at a high level getting in the paint just living in there you know he's the guy it's almost it reminds me of dribble tag at basketball camp where you're confined <laughs> in this one space and then whoever has the basketball dribbling it at the end they're the winner i feel like ish smith 
is the dribble tag king. And he was proving that through the first, I don't know, six, seven games. It's still not like he, he it's, it's not like he's awful at that now. It's just he's not hitting the mid range as no, uh, as much. He's not playing as much. He's not hitting guys cutting baseline as much. Just it's just all of the things that allowed Ish to thrive. They're not here in the last few outings, and that's really hurt him. Um, and so, you know, hopefully he's somebody that can produce at a high level, but you're right. Devontae was somebody that was clearly a much, much better three-point shooter. Ish won't take him. You know, he, he passes up wide open threes, takes a All step in and, and and hits the mid-range, which look fine. Like, I don't, I don't want you taking three-point shots if you're awful at him. Fair enough. But it would be nice for a person that can shoot three pointers to go ahead and take those open looks and then hit them at a decent clip like Devontae did and certainly Malik did last year. So, you know, now Kelly Oubre, it's not like he is the poster guy for efficiency from beyond the arc either. That That's what's hurt him. So when LaMelo shot isn't falling, Terry shot isn't falling, you don't have PJ out there to stretch it. And, and if Miles, you know, doesn't have the greatest shooting night or hits a couple becomes a problem. I mean, you, you mentioned the good three-point shooting. Like, it's really benefited them. But if they go cold for some stretches, man, it's going to be really tough to counteract that with the lack of size that we've talked about time and time again and um, and even just some of the struggles they've had um, defensively. I mean, you're, you're going to have yeah. to score 120 to, to, to win, and that's just too hard of an ask. Right, and the crazy thing is you, you mentioned, you know, when they have cold nights from, from three, and that, that leads me into another point I had that, um, I think they're 22nd or 21st it is in the league and just corner threes taken, which is kind of bogging them down and just right. their overall three ranking. But I, th- I do think they are third overall um, in team efficiency as far as percentages go from behind the arc, which is incredible, right? But the, the funky thing is when they're shooting at the rim four feet inside, I'm trying to define the stat here. Uh, the Hornets are shooting the 27th worst percentage in the league at the rim within four feet, like I said. Um, yet they're taking the fourth highest percentage of their offensive shots at the rim, but they're at 36.9%. Help that make sense to me, Walker. Yeah. Like they have to finish better at the cup if they're going to take so many shots there. I think that falls a lot on LaMelo. You want him attacking, but he's just, this was a problem with him coming into the league. I think some of that falls on LaMelo not finishing at the rim. Well, I think PJ is somebody that when he shot at the rim, it's just something that's plagued him. You know, I, I want him to hit the bunnies. You know how much of a believer I am in PJ, but that has been a problem. And, and hopefully, you know, only a, a few weeks into the season, it's not a large enough sample size, but we got this last year a little too. I, I hope that doesn't mean he can get past that. Um, the other thing real quickly, and we're, we're eating too much time, then we'll let you go on this, but you know, James Booknight's really good at that. He's really good at attacking the rim and he's really good at finishing. And now you have to wonder defensively, James Booknight is not the answer. And so with Cody Martin playing as well as he has, you're still going to roll with Cody. I imagine Borrego is going to do that, but you mentioned it, right? They're taking a lot of shots, which means that they have the ability to get there. Hopefully, Book Knight would have that same ability, and Book Knight really finished well at the rim in college. Also, they got rid of Malik, who was their best backcourt finisher at the rim, over LaMelo, over Terry, over Devontae for sure. But now it's it's like it's it's Cody. And you know, you can't Cody, and I don't I don't want to take away from Cody, who's played a lot better this year, but that's not somebody you can rely on night in and night out to finish at the rim. And so, oh, and I mean, at what point do we mess around with Book Knight? out there in the backcourt you know is it still way too soon is his defense still not far enough along with that being such a prevalent problem let's get your final thoughts on James Booknight when we might see him this year 
Oh, that's a that's a tough one because even myself, just in my own head, I'm still kind of don't really know how to feel about James mm-hmm. Booknight. Uh, but I hate the fact that you got guys like JT Thor and, and Vernon Carey now. Um, you know, Kai Jones is in the same boat, but they've been sitting on the bench and haven't gotten much run other than end of game, you know, white flag situations. Uh, but they're they're not getting playing time with the Swarm and they're not getting playing time, you know, with the with the big league team either, which. You know, when you're only running eight deep against one of the L.A. teams, uh, you can't be far off from, you know, OK, it's time. It's time. Let's yeah. put this kid in and, and see what he can really do. If they lose tonight to the Lakers and especially if they lose to the Grizzlies after that, going back home to play the Knicks, I think at Spectrum Center. Um it's time. Let the kid get some run against his team. Let's let the kid get some run against his hometown New York team at Spectrum Center. See what he can do. If he's going to be fired up, that's going to be the game. Let's be honest. Yeah, it would be fun to see. And, and I'm not I'm not trying to say that that solves all the problems. It's just no, interesting it that it's just interesting, right? Book Knight still not getting that time. Them going with such a, ro- a small rotation. It, the guy that we need to see more of though is McDaniel's. I, I'm I'm. Not quite sure on why McDaniels isn't playing as much. I think he's been good when he's been out there, and it's one of the biggest problems I've had with Borrego the last few years, not playing some of the guys I think they should. All right, let's take a quick break. But, Owen, this has been so much fun, man. Congratulations on your new gig, working for ESPN Upstate in the game as a producer. know you're going to do a lot of great things, and you're going to continue to do great things here on Lockdown Hornets. Want to talk to you again down the line. Always appreciate talking Hornets and uh, different Charlotte sports with you, Owen. I appreciate the time once again. It's fun as always, Walker. I can do this with you any time of the day. You just let me know. Sounds great. We'll talk again soon. That's Owen Watterson of ESPN Upstate and 106.6 WORD. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back with plenty more. One final segment. We got another guest joining us, but you got to stick around and find out who it is. It's coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. Have you fallen out of love with uh, Lonnie Walker yet, or are you still in love with him? I think there's still a chance yeah i, think I know too. Chance. Yeah. i think he uh, <laughs> playing pretty well right now it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast i'm so happy that we played that bump coming into this final segment because i could ask the man himself <laughs> doug you're back <laughs> we can't keep you away and it's because There's you want to talk chance. about lonnie walker is there still a chance for lonnie like is there i don't know I... you tell me I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, Walker. I have not been paying attention to Lonnie Walker. <laughs> I hope so, though, man. I was a big Lonnie Walker. still am a huge Lonnie Walker fan. Hope he figures it so out. So you're telling me that you come on the podcast and the first question I ask you is something you're not prepared for? That's what you're telling me? Oh, well, I'm telling you that I haven't done the research, okay. and that shouldn't surprise anyone. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. You know the man, Doug Branson. Find him on Twitter still at Doug Branson, LOH, because he's an OG, helping out with today's pod, the final segment. Big thanks once again to Owen Watterson as well as Doug. How do they let you back in here? You know, like we, we you just find a way. You find a way to come back every once in a while. I'm going to I'm going to speak ill of the dead. I'm going to blame Nada. Okay. <laughs> he was barring the door. Didn't want me to come. I'm kidding. Nada was uh, Nada was great mm-hmm. and uh, happy that uh he is moving up in the podcasting world now. But uh yeah, happy to be back on the show. Uh I wish I had a win to talk about. Um but there's plenty to talk about even through these losses because Walker things are starting to spice up now. We're mm. getting a few little comments here and there. Uh, some controversy. Yeah, let, let's get to that in just a moment. I do want to talk about one win, and that would be if you go to BuiltBar.com and partake in some of their product because 
Thanksgiving is great. All of the good food, all of the good treats, plenty of them. But maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar. That's where the yummy. whole Built Bar thing comes in. Built Bar is a new holiday dessert. You can feast on something delicious and feel good about it. So instead of eating that slice of pie that has like 300 calories, that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories. They only have four grams of sugar, plus they're high in protein and they're high in fiber. So replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar because it's just as tasty and it's better for you. It's a win-win situation. Built Bar is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go right now to BuiltBar.com and get a Built Bar or two. Again, go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off of your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Doug, you mentioned things getting a little spicy. You say that because of LaMelo Ball's comments last night after the game. Now, Ben Golliver set up a question for one James Borrego, and then mm-hmm. he did it again for LaMelo. Take it away, Doug, because I know Listen, you thought this veteran, was a move. Yes, <laughs> Go ahead. Veteran move by my guy, Goller. See, that's, this is what <laughs> the Hornets and what Borrego and some of these cats, they're not used to this this game where, you know, you go to a big city like L.A., and they're, they're trying to trap you. They're trying to get you. L.A., New York, and uh, Ben Goliver uh, did it. He asked Borrego uh, if, you know, because – LaMelo had such a hot start in this game against the in the Clippers in the first half and then sort of trailed off, and we didn't see him until probably midway through the fourth quarter. And, and he asked uh, Borrego if that was an area of growth for him to really step up in the fourth quarter. And let's see if I can get Borrego's comments first. Let's see if we can play this clip. I think those are two areas of growth for him, you know, being more disciplined, not fouling, especially early. I think he can be a little more disciplined in those areas, not getting foul trouble as much. He's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to make winning plays. At times, those can be undisciplined plays. Um, his growth will come in these last six minutes, you know, and that's that's where a lot of these NBA games are won. We have a 20-year-old that's just starting to scratch the surface here in the NBA, and, uh, you know, how he manages those last six minutes are important. Okay, so what you heard there was a nuanced answer by Borrego, and, when, and Borrego was thinking about it. He was going out of his way to make sure that you understood that it that loss was not Lamelo's fault, and and that the young he's a young kid and he's going to learn. But I'm telling you, this is a veteran move by my man Golliver. He set the question up for Lamelo. Let's see what uh, Lamelo had to say. And he thinks an area of development for you is controlling the game, controlling the action in the fourth quarter. Do you feel the same way? I mean, do you think that's kind of a next step for you? Uh, no, nah, I feel like I just got to be in there long for the fourth quarter. You feel me? I feel like I came in a little late of the game. Now I feel like we can just uh, let the squad go, and now it's gone. Okay, so you you hear there from Lamelo, he wanted yeah. to be in the game longer, <sighs> criticizing his coach there, Walker. What do you think about this? Is the first yeah. time we've really heard this. Yeah. Well, first thing, I wonder if this is the kind of comment that James Brago hears, and it's like, man, the reporter, he played me. Because here I am saying, you know, it's just a young player. You think you're saying something pretty benign. Hey, LaMelo, he's a young guy trying to figure out how to handle things in the fourth quarter. And LaMelo's like, no, I need to play more. And so I wonder if he's mad at Ben Golliver for playing him and giving that pro move like you mentioned. And also LaMelo just telling you how he is. I don't think LaMelo said anything crazy, to be honest. I think you can certainly read into that for what it is. And it's he wanted to be out there on the fourth uh, out in the on the floor even longer. So, yeah, like I'm sure they're having a conversation about it. 
I, I'm sure that LaMelo isn't happy because we know LaMelo is extremely confident. Here's the thing, though, Doug, like we can go back to you know, we were talking about this with Owen about Ish Smith playing so well in the beginning parts of this. The thing that gives LaMelo, I think, a little leeway is the fact that he's actually given up his spot before because he thinks it's what's best for the team. Right, Th- right. That matters. But, you know? but Walker, but Walker, mm-hmm. that's all well and good when the team is winning. <laughs> right, See, 100%. Here, yeah. Here's the big difference. When they start to lose and LaMelo is giving up his spot to a to a lineup, by the way, that was doing really well. Like, it, it was it was the exact same situation, honestly. It was Borrego sticking with a hot lineup that had gotten them that nine-point lead. Then, then Borrego makes the subs because he feels like it's necessary at that time, and that's when the lead starts to slip away. Uh, but you, I mean, LaMelo obviously felt like if he had come in earlier in that fourth quarter that they could have built on that nine-point lead, and, and instead he got in there too late in the lead. The momentum started to go the Clippers' way once they got that uh, Miles Bridges uh, flagrant foul. That seemed to sort of be the turning point of the game when they, they were able to turn in five points very quickly, and it just snowballed from there because uh, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't make shots. But I'm just I'm, – I'm just, I'm not saying it's a huge deal because people aren't talking about it like it's a huge deal. It's sort of buried right now. But I'm just saying it's something to watch now because LaMelo, how early in his career does LaMelo start to flex that superstar muscle? Because he's mm-hmm. getting a lot of getting a lot of attention. He's getting ringer profiles and all of these different things. How long before we see that, you know, the fact that he's not, I think he's playing like 30 minutes a game. He's not getting those superstar minutes numbers. How long before... We start to see him speak more vociferously about that. Yeah, great word. One, we can go back to last Thank season. You. and I don't know see, what it means, but it sounded great. Uh, it sounded big, so I said great word. Same here. It sounded but vociferous. That's <laughs> what I was going to say. LaMelo, somebody that was playing even more minutes than he is now last year, right? Like when he's thrust into the starting lineup, he was, I mean, I, I guess it's somewhere close to those superstar minutes from what he was doing when he was in full throttle rookie of the year type mode before he did fracture that wrist and that hurt his numbers when he came back. But now, as you mentioned, I guess, the second unit has been good overall this season, and I think that has been because of some of the bad It was early. It's, str- it's struggling as of late. Sure, sure, but it was it was good early, and, and we talked about some of that with the backcourt situation, and I think now, you know, LaMelo might just have to play more minutes, um, you know, because, you know, if, if Ish doesn't have it, he's only playing five, I guess you go to Kelly Oubre at the two spot, I guess if you want to go with Cody Martin, that's fine. You know, thing is, like, he had a couple threes last night, but he also missed every shot inside the perimeter, you know, like mm-hmm. Co- Cody, we, we know what it is with Cody. And I want to, I want to give him his credit for still bringing defensive intensity. You know, there's still some problems in understanding here and there on that end of the floor that still plagues him every once in a while, but offensively he is hitting the three ball at a higher level. I thought him attacking the rim has been good, but we also know like the best version of that is probably how we saw it for a couple of games. If you get 10 points out of him, man, can you really ask for much more? Well, I, mean, I thought I thought the best version of Cody Martin is like MKG light. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just attacking the basket well, and and a better stroke than MKG from the yeah. perimeter. But that's how it well is. it was. Like, it would MKG had he not gotten hurt again against Indiana when he came back for that like seven game run. Yeah, right. The seven game run. We, we do remember that one. But yeah, that you know we get the picture. I mean, Lame- it's not like mm-hmm. you have. Oh yeah, well we we need to put Lamelo on the bench because this guy's playing so well, so long, so consistently. We know it's stable. We know we're going to be relying on him. I mean, that's not it. 
you know, that that's really not yeah. it. And so I do think they're probably going to have to rely on LaMelo as the season goes on a little like they're doing with Gordon, right? Where he's the steady hand, but LaMelo right. is somebody where I, I imagine those minutes will look a little more similar as the year goes on. I mean, I want the ball in Gordon's hands more. I was calling for it. Yeah. I thought fourth quarter, I thought we should have started with Gordon. He was, he was heating up there at the end of the third quarter. I felt like, you know, go to the steady hand when you need it. Uh, I, I would have liked to see more of that. Less, uh, I mean, Rozier's struggling right now. I just think the ball has yeah. to leave. It's tough because you, you want to try to get him back on track, but at the same time, I mean, his numbers are absolutely abysmal. Uh, I, I know we got to get out of here because you kind of snuck me in the back door. I appreciate. I mean, I appreciate the time, but I mean, third segment. Come on. I mean, Owen was great. Um, loved what he was giving you. Um, but uh, I feel like this is just a little. To- you you threw me a little bone here. Give me a third segment. But uh, I, I do want to get a couple of things in there. I want to comment on what you were talking about. You know, Ish Smith struggling. Do you regret the Graham the Monk move? Yeah. Right. And it seems like you do. You regret both of those moves, Well, right? I mean, I, I didn't like it at the time. You know, like, I mean, Ish was – the Devontae thing, you know, I get getting the first-round pick, and that's big. I just thought it was weird, you know, especially with this playoff or mandate thing. Ish can't give you what Devontae does. But at the time, it was like, okay, well, hell, it's hard for me to argue against that. But now here we are talking about, you know, some of the struggles that have happened. Either way, like – I don't want to make some big declaration early at this point of the season, but I certainly did not like it in the offseason. It's really difficult, right? Because, you know, Graham and Monk both right now, they're not shooting amazingly. Graham, high volume, but not very efficient. I mean, he's putting up some numbers, but he's having to do it by shooting a ton. Uh, Monk, his his points per shot attempt are, aren't stellar, and he and he's not really he's not really like running an offense. I mean, he's he's not really assisting a lot. So, but but then you look at Ish. I can't defend Ish either. I mean, of according to cleaning the glass of point guards, he is bottom in points per shot attempt at eighty point eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry Rozier at eighty two point eight. So, and he's he's categorized as a wing, uh, but that would be right there at the bottom of the point guards as well. Uh, but at least at least Ish is moving the ball effectively. He is a guy you can rely on to run an offense. His assist percentage is pretty good. His assist to usage percentage is pretty good. So like. That's my only defense point on mm-hmm. Ish. Yeah, I get it. He's not shooting threes, not very effective offensively since we saw the Ish game early on. But at the same time, like he he can run the 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 the, the reserve offense. Yeah, and I think he's more closely related to Devontae in that. Like I trusted Devontae with the ball in his hands. Yeah. Right. Like I thought he was. A, it, the difference is they're they're shooting. I mean, it is it is night and day. Ish is not in the same stratosphere as Devontae. And real quickly. As we talk about Terry, I did mention this on Locked On Lakers um, as well when they just released that kind of previewing the game for tonight. You know, Terry has been struggling mightily. The biggest thing he provides for this Hornets team is excellent shot making from deep in particular. He mm-hmm. took his game to a different level when he started to hit two-point field goals last year. We, we documented that constantly. This year, the shooting from the perimeter has been awful. The thing about yep. Terry is that's the thing that he brings to your team. He's not bringing great defense. He's not bringing great facilitation. No, He's no. not bringing great pick-and-roll decision-making. So nope. if Terry is out there on the floor giving you awful percentages, mm-hmm. that's kind of actively hurting your team, Doug. I yep. mean, that, that, is act, that is actively causing you to lose when you're replacing Jalen McDaniels going 3 of 5, Cody Martin playing some more minutes and going 
three of five, something like that, playing good defense, McDaniels being long enough to really provide good team defense. You know, so you get some of those moments here and there, relying offensively more on Miles, and Terry comes in and hoist up one of eight, one of nine, one for seven, but still giving you 17. Like, that's a real problem right now. Hopefully it's all rust because the guy's a bona fide shot maker that we've seen the last couple of years. But, man, when he's not hitting shots, to me, he's actively hurting what the team is able to do. I feel like so many of his outside shots are extremely tough shots. They're cleanup shots. We're not running a lot of the off. The Hornets are not running a lot of the offense for to get Terry clean, open looks. Honestly, I think one of the weird things about the offense right now is like you, you've got Terry coming back from injury at the same time that LaMelo needs a ton of looks, at the same time that we're seeing Miles Bridges' ascension. And then, oh, by the way, you've got Gordon Hayward on your team. You're paying a lot of money. To not just to like play solid defense and and pass the ball effectively, like you want to get that guy some looks too. Uh, I think there's a little on the offensive end, even though the offense has been stellar. There's a little bit of a one basketball problem. I think that Brego Brego, by the way, has been given an extremely difficult puzzle to solve because he doesn't have an NBA level center rotation. Uh, that was a decision the Hornets made before the yeah. season. We were all screaming about it. But but the fact is, Borrego hasn't to this point been able to solve it and put together an effective an effective enough defense to win win some of these basketball games, and and I think they're going to struggle. Uh, right quick before we get out of here, do you want my opinion on book night? Yeah, let's hear it. I think it's time for book the rook to get a look. I think it's time. I wish he could. Pa- I wish he could run an offense because I think then it would be like an easy decision him over Ish. I think the decision is more difficult him over Cody because Cody has been playing better. But I just, I think it's time to give Book the Rook a look, baby. I mean, <laughs> something's got to give. Why not? I, I think we're close, Doug. I mean, look, may- maybe the only thing holding off on that is how awful the defense is. Book Knight is not helping you. Okay, I'm, I'm that. That's right. the thing that's a problem. But I can do he think play we're... center? Can we put him on stilts and have him play center? I would certainly hope so. He's got the bunnies. Maybe he can just contest at the rim quite a bit. All right, that's it. Doug joining me in the last segment, finding a way to sneak in there like he always does. I'm sure we'll hear uh, hear from him again, maybe even soon. I don't know. Like, are, are, is this just what you want to do now? Do you just want to find time to try to come in and wreck the podcast? I mean, maybe maybe next time you let me in the front door. I want to <laughs> sneak in like I'm, you know, 16 and heading over to my sweetheart's house. <laughs> Kept it clean. Am I your sweetheart? Thanks, Doug. All right, that'll do it for <laughs> Locked On Hornets. Now make your second listen after Locked On Hornets, your first listen. Make your second listen. Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Josh Lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet. It's free and available on all platforms. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll be back with you tomorrow.